I go, I've, obviously I've written several articles and, and I've had two or three articles in the past that's upset lo the local community. I had the audacity the week that nine cops in Baton Rouge and Dallas were assassinated to write an article saying that there was a war against law enforcement. That's not a unique term. The FBI said that, Heather McDonald said that. Chief Dog Nation, I'm really excited to bring you this interview today. We have Major Travis Yates. He is the owner of Law Officer. If you, if you have not checked that out, go to, you can go to lawofficer.com or you can go check us or check them out on Facebook. They have a huge um, following, huge presence for law enforcement. Major, it's exciting to have you. Can you introduce yourself to us? Yeah, I'm a 27 year law enforcement veteran here in the Midwest. Uh, I've been very, very blessed to do a lot of different things. I've taught uh, officers around the country for the last 15 years. I've been in 48 states and three countries. Obviously, I've been writing for about the same amount of time. I've written several hundred articles on various topics. Uh, the last few years, I've really focused on leadership as I've seen that struggle in the profession. I wrote a book last year called The Courageous Police Leader and uh, just fighting the good fight. You know, I, I'm, I'm a little bit unusual in the fact that I've, I've been very outspoken and I'm still on the job. And that has created more than one problem for me, uh, in particular, a huge problem at the moment. But I just believe that just because you're on the job doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to speak out. I mean, we know more than anybody, so we should be speaking out. But law enforcement has been sort of, uh, we're not empowered to do that. And that's created a lot of problems. That's why you see what you see today with very little actual evidence to go behind it, because law enforcement is not, doesn't have the voice they should. So uh, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've gotten a lot of opportunities to do a lot of neat things and uh, to meet a lot of different people. So I certainly appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. You have a book. Tell us about your book. Yeah, I, uh, I met a guy about four years ago by the name of Stacy Etel. You can just go to Google and type in the Stacy Etel story. And, and I met him in a class. I was teaching a class. He came up to me and he kind of told me this crazy story how uh, he was a commander on the scene of an officer involved shooting. The shooting was justified. The attorney general, the Department of Education, the DA all cleared the shooting. The shooting was in policy, but these uh, riots and protests began on campus. Now, this was 2010, so this is kind of pre-Ferguson, kind of before we sort of that was the norm. And he basically said that they came to him and said, listen, we've got to fire the officer that fired the weapon, and we need you to get behind that. And he said, well, he didn't do anything wrong. Why would you do that? And they said, well, we've got to do something to make all this controversy go away. And so he basically said, well, I'm not going to get behind that. So they said, well, we're going to fire you then. And so they fired him. And he was a lieutenant, pretty well-respected guy, and lost everything. Uh, he, couldn't, he couldn't get another job because what the Internet did to him, because of the stories they did to him. They, you know, obviously, it was, a, it was a foreign exchange student from, uh, I believe, Africa. And so, obviously, he was branded a racist. And uh, he literally lost everything. His wife had to pawn their wedding ring to pay a month's rent. Uh, he lost his pension. He just lost it all. And he tells me this story. And I just thought it was so crazy that this could happen. I mean, how, how in the world could you do nothing wrong and be destroyed? And so I told him that day that I, I asked him, I said, well, how long ago did this happen? He said, six years ago. I said, well, who has told this story? Like the story you just told me, who told the story? And he goes, nobody's told this story. I just thought that was unbelievable. I go, how in the world? could this be going on? And quite frankly, I almost thought he wasn't even telling me the truth because it just seems so wrong to me. So I looked into it and I saw that he was absolutely correct. No one had told his story. So I commissioned an author, a writer to write a story about him and his wife. And it's called the Stacey Tell story. And we, we published that on Law Officer. And Law Officer has been around for about 16 years. It was a magazine first. Many people recognize that. It's, it's just a website now. And, uh, and the article went pretty, pretty berserk and people got the story. It kind of opened some doors for him and he started speaking and writing and doing some things. 
uh, watch guard hired him to do some seminars. And, and so we developed a leadership seminar based on kind of that story, how we need to quit. This needs to stop happening in law enforcement. We started teaching that seminar and it's been pretty popular, but I kind of got to thinking a couple of years ago that, you know, most people can't come to this seminar. You know, we, you know, we're teaching it six, seven times a year, but wouldn't it be neat if we could put this in book form so mm. more, more people can get it. And so uh, last July 4th, we published a book called The Courageous Police Leader, A Survival Guide to Combating Cowards, Chaos, and Lies. And quite frankly, it took off. It was a lot more popular than I imagined. It's on Amazon now. And uh, a lot of people were able to, uh, a lot of people were, uh, you know, have sent us comments about that book. It opens up with Stacy's story. He wrote the foreword on it. And of course, I wrote the book. And, uh, and so, uh, that leads into that was a year ago, and then so what I tell people is is I, I I've written about this topic, uh, I've talked about this topic, and now I guess I could say I'm very fortunate I get to live uh, this topic, and uh, it's certainly much easier to talk and write about than live it. I can tell you that for sure. Tell me more. How are you living it? Tell tell Chief Dog Nation. Yeah, um, I have been very vocal, as I said, uh, you know, about all these issues in law enforcement. Very few people are able to talk about. And um, I go, I've, obviously I've written several articles and, and I've had two or three articles in the past that's upset lo the local community. I had the audacity the week that nine cops in Baton Rouge and Dallas were assassinated to write an article saying that there was a war against law enforcement. That's not a unique term. The FBI said that, Heather McDonald said that, but what they did is they twisted that and they said, Travis says there's a war against black people. Well, that's crazy. Of course I didn't say that, but it got a little bit of local run. You know, it got me transferred. It got me investigated, you know, and all this and that. Cause nobody wants to stand up and just say, well, he's kind of right. You know, nine officers were assassinated this week. That's why he said it. Mm -hmm. And so I was aware of that. And that quite frankly, didn't bother me. And so I knew I kind of had a target on my back, but I kept speaking because I think that's what people want is they want you to shut up. Yeah. Their narrative, that narrative wins if that's the only narrative out there. But I just, I've got the facts on my side. I got the data on my side. So I've been going on a local radio show here in town for about a year and talk about national police issues. And I was on last Monday, a week ago today. And about, it was a 40 minute interview, about 20 of the minutes we talked about the myth of systematic racism in law enforcement. And people could disagree with me. Uh, but my take is when you talk about systematic racism, that is profession-wide racism, you have to look at the collective data, right? Do we have individual racists? Of course we do. Every profession has them. But when you're talking about a system that is inherently racist, well, you would look at the entire data and see that. And I talked about the Washington Post data. And, you know, that is since 2015 until yesterday, out of all the unarmed people shot and killed by policemen, uh, whites, it was 3%. Blacks, it was 2%. We're actually killing more whites unarmed than blacks. And if, if race didn't play a factor, that number would be pretty even, and that's pretty much darn even, 3% versus 2%. And I went on to talk about some of Roland Fryer's research and Heather McDonald's research. And Fryer did some research uh, in 2018 where, and Fryer wasn't exactly friendly to law enforcement. He, um, he, he was really shocked by the, what he found out, but he actually found out that uh, you would expect if there was some sort of, if you, if you compared shootings uh, to violent crime, which is what he was, his data on, he would have expected that African-Americans would have been actually shot more. In fact, he found out that they were actually shot 24% less than they typically would have been. And that's, that to me is a good, that's a good data point. That means that law enforcement is not shooting people at the rate that people are saying they're shooting people at. Essentially what he was saying is there's not systematic racism because African-Americans are actually being shot at a lesser rate. And I kind of talked about that. I even couched that because I knew that that's, a, that's probably some data that people weren't aware of. So I actually started that phrase off with talking about where I got that research. And then I said the research, and then I actually finished that with, 
and this isn't me talking. This is the data and the research out there. So it's, you know, it's not me with my opinion. I'm just telling you what the research is. And quite frankly, I didn't think much of it. I'd actually listened to the show afterwards because if anybody listened to it, it was, a, it was a pretty, you know, it was a lot of information being thrown around. And sometimes in a radio format, you know, you may trip up on a few words and say some things that could be taken out of context. So I listened to the show afterwards and I thought to myself, there's not, not really anything there that, I, that really jumps out at me. And uh, 24 hours later, um, uh, a reporter here in town, and I got to give him credit, I won't name the paper, but they have a direct pipeline in the national news. Uh, they, they took that middle sentence uh, where, I, where I basically cited the data, and he twisted that and said that I said that we should go kill more black people. Uh, obviously, he, he knew what he was doing, right? He knew exactly what he was doing. And he, he left out the first sentence. He actually got my quote wrong. He had to change a few words to make it sound as bad as he could. And he left out the third sentence, which said me saying this isn't me saying it. And he printed that middle sentence, and he put a bunch of stuff above that. And, of course, uh, in today's social media world, uh, it went nuts, you know. And the national media, to them, it's just a headline. It's a big old nasty headline to get a lot of clicks. They don't care who they destroy. And uh, they have literally destroyed everything I've worked for for 27 years. Uh, my family and I are in the middle of death threats right now. I'm hunkered down at the house. Uh, I'm putting surveillance system in. Uh, my department is investigating me, which I think to myself, well, I told the truth. All right. I mean, I can't help what a reporter does. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's very much a very dark time. And it goes to show you the media has been weaponized against law enforcement. No doubt about it. It doesn't matter what you say, do or whatever. They're going to twist something to make it seem like you did something else to try to make you a villain. And uh, I've lost, I had a handful of extra jobs that helped support my family. I've lost all of those jobs. They fired me immediately. Didn't even ask me a question. Um, I had, um, you know, I've got my kids in private school. I'm wondering if it's my school going to kick my kids out of private school. Uh, out, of, out of the probably hundreds of media outlets that reported this, three actually called me for a quote, right? And the original article, they couldn't call me for a quote because they wouldn't have been able to write what they wrote, right? Mm -hmm. So they knew exactly what they were doing. And uh, they're, uh, and so I've got, I've got two choices here, Autumn. I've, I can either just crawl in a hole uh, and just give up, right? Because that's what I think people want. Or I could stand up and say, you know what? You can't do this to people. You know, you can't do it to people. I'm going to fight. I'm going to get legal representation. I'm going to clear my name the best of my ability. If you can ever do that on the internet, right? It's always going to be there forever. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm going to stand up for the rest of the profession because nobody else is. Because what they're using a cannon on them. They're using a cannon at us and we're throwing little pebbles back. Because think about it, law enforcement. We can't even write a Facebook post without getting fired these days, right? right? Even if it's true. Right. And so they're able to use the conglomerate of the corporate media to just destroy our profession, destroy individuals, especially if you speak up uh, mm -hmm. on behalf of law enforcement. And we can't even fight back. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going to, uh, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask to be sort of the poster child for what the media does to people, but, but I can guarantee you they haven't heard the last from me. Mm -hmm. uh, there's going to be a, a battle and there's going to be at the end of the day, we're going to be able to hopefully help a lot of law enforcement because this is not going to stop every day. They're destroying somebody else. I know. Uh, and uh, it's the only profession you, where you could be destroyed. I used to say it's the only profession you, you can be destroyed on the very next call for doing everything right. Well, who knew, who knew in my mind, it was a phone call that would destroy me, not an actual call for service because I phoned in the interview. Uh, but it's, uh, it's really unbelievable. And uh, I'm trying to see the positive in this, that, that I get to live this and tell a story and to mm -hmm. try to help others. 
but man, there are there are dark moments. Uh, there has been a few twists for the good. Uh, Tucker Carlson called me on. I didn't think I'd get any lower than Friday morning uh, because uh, uh, GoFundMe had just shut the account down, and uh, obviously that was the height of all this was Friday. And, and uh, Tucker Carlson called about eleven o'clock and said, "Well, will you come on the show?" And of course, I immediately started going into all this nonsense, and he was kind of like. Yeah, they do that to everybody. We want to talk to you about this other article you wrote, you know, that we really liked and talk about how law enforcement is leaving the profession. Just, just by sheer weirdness, 12 hours before this happened, I wrote an article on law officer called, called America, We Are Leaving. Yeah, and, very um, I share it. It became the largest article in our history. Uh, over 3 million people as of now have seen it. Uh, I've given interviews in Moscow and Great Britain and everywhere else about this article. And then, of course, Fox News. And I thought, well, what's the odds of that? At the same time I'm watching Fox News talk about my article, I'm on their website for this other stuff, you know. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really believe in coincidences, Autumn. There's something going on here. But uh, anyway, Tucker brought me on. He didn't have to. He's getting advertisers canceled every day because of his stance. Uh, but he was the only one that would speak to me. And, uh, you know, he, he defended me in the short time I was on. And, uh, and I've got to fight because if I lay down, then, you know, they're going to keep doing it. Wow. That's a, that's a lot of stuff going on. You got a lot of stuff going on, huh? A few moving plates, yeah. A few moving plates. So how can so how can we help? How can how can everyone well, help? Well, the the biggest thing is the real. I've got the real story out there, and uh, and that is at a website called defendtheheroes.com. Okay. And uh, we obviously uh, there's a donation way there, but mainly I want people to get the real story and what happened, and uh, and it lines it out. Uh, we're going to change that. Uh, to just a PO box for checks until we get the payment method. Cause as I know, uh, they shut down two different payment methods for donations uh, because they know that's the only way I can find is by funds. And so uh, I don't know the backstory on why that's happening. I got a feeling why that's happening, right? There's a, there's a real, uh, there's a faction of this community that wants to just do anything to us. They can, it's not enough to get your job out of They want to destroy any way in the hist- in the world you could ever make a living in the future. Just destroy you mentally, physically, financially, as much as they can whether you're doing wrong or not. Right. I mean, I think we have enough people in this profession that do things wrong, but that's not good enough. They want to, they want to destroy anybody and everybody that may stand up for this profession. So, you know, obviously spread that website. Unfortunately, as it stands now to be safe, we're going to have people send checks in the mail. Mm-hmm. Cause I can't, I can't risk another, you know, we're going to try to get something up today, hopefully. Uh, but I think uh, spread that website. And what I want people to understand is that's not just for Travis. You know, I, I never wanted to be someone having to raise a legal defense fund. Yeah. But we're going to take anything we get above and beyond that. We're going to form a foundation called the Lean Foundation. It's called the Law Enforcement Advocacy Network. And it's going to be designed to help other people out exactly what happened to me. And that mm. means when it happens to you and you did nothing wrong, because I can tell you, you, you can't even form a, a form a thought when you're going in the middle of this. I mean, it was so dark. I couldn't even hardly get out of bed. I couldn't even formulate a thought. And I kind of count myself as kind of a macho guy. I and mean, I, I was just absolutely paralyzed by this and I had a friend in Florida that reached out to me and said listen turn your tv off turn your phone off I got this mm-hmm. and he literally went in and captured all the media reports captured all the evidence uh he put up the website he put together the messaging he did all of this stuff and it kind of got us thinking I'm like that's exactly what we need you know because uh, you know your local unions aren't set up for this Mm-mm. uh your major organizations like ICP they're not going to touch this because they're trying to get the corporate dollar they're not going to want to offend anybody there's really no organization 
for law enforcement to come by our side when this happens. This happens every day. You look at yes, like the NRA. I mean, can you imagine what the Second Amendment would be or gun owners would be without the NRA? It's that organization that defends people that, you know, with their Second Amendment rights. Well, this is a First Amendment right issue and many times a, just our Bill of Rights issue in law enforcement. So we're going to put together a team. And Autumn, you may have a, a big hand in playing that because there's a big mental aspect with this too of when this happens to people and they're in, at their lowest point, we come along beside them mm. and, uh, and prop them up in every way we can, whether it's legally, mentally, physically, financially, uh, and kind of give them that crisis management they need at that time. Because, you know, if you're the CEO of Apple, you have that, you have the resources to make that happen. You've got millions, gazillions of dollars. You can go right. hire that out. Right. I didn't have that. I mean, I'm not mm -hmm. poor by any means, but when I, you know, when mess, when people were contacting me going, Hey, I can message this for you. I just need a $10,000 retainer. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, I, I didn't have any means to do that. So we've got to provide this support for law enforcement. So we're going to parlay this for good. We're going to pivot this for good. And we're going to uh, launch a foundation out of this to, to kind of stand up against what people are doing against law enforcement. You know, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking and I'm, I'm listening to you. And do you know how many people would just lay down? Do you know how many people would not be getting out of bed? And do you know how many people would probably take down law officer, take down everything you've done, everything you've put out there and just try to just, you know, try to stay safe? Because clearly you're, you said that you're receiving death threats and all sorts of shit, right? But here, here's the thing. It's, it's people like you, you know, who are going to change. You're going to make a change. We need to, I, and you know, I think what's important and a huge reason as to why I wanted you to come on right now is because I think they, this is the time that we have got to stop chewing, you know, chewing, allowing law enforcement to chew us up and spit us out. Right. They say that, you know, the, the common saying in law enforcement is that we eat our own. Like we just, we, you know, and I think really, Unfortunately, we're coming to a time where we have to stick together. We have to, and, and not for wrong reasons and not for inappropriate reasons or anything like that, but just based on what you're going through. You know? Yeah, I, I, I knew this before it happened because I've, I've listened to other officers' stories. I mean, you, I mean, you look at these other officers that's happened to that did anything wrong, whether it was Darren Wilson and Ferguson or Stacey Tell that did anything wrong, and. And, you know, they've just been destroyed and they've had to move and hide their name and location and all this other stuff. And, but they told me the story. They said, man, when it happens, you know who your real friends are. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that happen is people scatter like fleas. They don't want to be anything anywhere near people that you've done things for people. You've helped move their houses, people that you've gone through dark alleys with, man, they run for the hills. And then you, you if you're lucky, you have a couple, two or three people that come beside you and say, whatever you need, we're going to do. Mm -hmm. So what I think this foundation needs to do is we need to, we need to be that resource for these officers. And it seems wild to talk about it because I'm obviously in the middle of my darkness now, but there'll be uh, another side of this and we'll come out of this. And hopefully when it comes to the legal leads, we'll, we'll be successful in that. But even if we aren't, we have to fight. That's what I, that's what I told my team. I say, I don't care. I don't care. If we don't win a dollar, it's not what it's about. We have no. to fight because yes. they want you to quit. Autumn. Yes. They want you to stop because what they're trying to do is destroy our profession mm -hmm. and they're using all these crazy means to do it. And if we give up, then, uh, then, you know, that's the, that's a dark time for not only us, but all of America. So, well, what's your opinion on what's going on in Seattle? Uh, well, frankly, I haven't had a whole lot of time to look at that, but that is, uh, 
that's a slippery slope and that's where you end up when you start doing what you do to law enforcement. Right. But that's, so, but that's what I'm saying. Right. So they yeah. don't, they don't want law enforcement. Right. So like, yeah. what, you know, but, but does the whole America want to live like that? No. And I think what we're dealing with is we're dealing with the silent majority. Um, we're dealing with people that are scared to say anything, scared to take a stand because they see what happens to you when you do. Right. Um, so, that's a dangerous place to be when you've got, I, listen, to this day, as I speak, the vast majority of Americans support law enforcement, but they ain't saying a word about it because they're mm -hmm. afraid of being canceled. Mm -hmm. And if we don't start standing up as a society and mm -hmm. start standing up against this, that's what it leads to. And then it gets to the point where it's going to be too late to recover from. And, you know, quite frankly, Ferguson was very difficult for us. Uh, and that was a legal justified shooting. It's just insane to think what came out of Ferguson and when it was a legal justified shooting, but look where we are today, uh, especially when you talk about Atlanta, uh, that this is, this seems so chaotic. I'm not sure we'll ever be the same. And I'm not sure we're going to be uh, the same in a good way. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see, I think there was, there's some argument to be made that out of Ferguson, we did some good things, right? I like body cameras. I like some of the things we did. I obviously like the escalation, but, but, we kind of went as far as we could without getting into depth, you know, officer safety and jeopardizing, you know, what we do. This seems to be too far out there. Uh, and the next step is it's, it's goes to show you that once you, okay, do this, we'll do it. Okay. Do this. We'll do it. Well, the next logical step is we don't need police or we don't, we don't, we need to defund police. By the way, defunding police, even the level of 10% gets rid of us. Essentially. You don't get mm -hmm. to hire anybody. You don't get to buy a paperclip when you do that. Our personnel costs are generally over 90%. So they know that. And uh, so the, the Americans that are falling for that, uh, they're, they might as well abolish law enforcement because we'll be report takers, you know, and yeah, yeah. there won't be any crime being enforced. Well, see, the, I, we were having, I was having a discussion um, in one of my groups f full of first responders. And, and one of the discussions, obviously, because everybody is very upset over everything they're seeing in Atlanta as well as everything else, right? Um, but one of the conversations that they were having was the fact that they were like, you know, what, why don't, why don't police, if this is what, what's, what's going to end up happening is police officers, if they don't abolish us, then they're going to end up, we're going to end up being like firefighters. We're going to be mm -hmm. sitting in the station and, you know, put, when it's a really bad call, we'll come out and everything else, we're not coming and you don't have enough of us. What, what, what's your opinion on that? Well, I think we're probably already there. Truth be known. Um, yeah. 90, 90% plus of our use of force and shootings are calls for service. We're not out stopping people and getting in altercations. And so that's, the, that's part of the problem with that attitude we have is that none of that stuff that they call controversial ever goes away because the vast majority of our contacts are people that commit violent crimes. Citizens call us, we show up, they point them out, we encounter them. And then mm -hmm. one thing leads to another, just like Wendy's in Atlanta last night, that was a call. I mean, it wasn't like the officers found the guy and targeted him. The citizens called for help. We went there and then one thing leads to another. And so we could, I think we're probably truth be known already glorified firefighters without the pornography. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> I'm sure somebody will take that out of context too. I'll, I'll get a headline tomorrow saying I'm, I'm uh, advocating pornography. Oh, well, oh, what are you going to do? Gonna uh, do? But, but, um, but the truth is, is most of our altercations are coming on calls anyway, the citizens are calling us on. And that's who I feel sorry for. That's who really loses in this autumn is the people that live in, in neighborhoods with high crime, uh, many minorities, by the way, many, many disenfranchised people that need us. Uh, mm -hmm. They're going to be the ones that lose on this when there's no law enforcement around or law enforcement has been decimated to the point where we can't respond in a good, good amount of time. And that's what nobody sees here. It's not about, it's not about, uh, uh, you know, 
ending law enforcement because law enforcement is corrupt. It's about control. And they can't have control if law enforcement's there trying to, you know, do what we do. So it's a pretty spooky time. I personally believe, uh, unfortunately, we don't recover from this. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. law enforcement will be around. It will look nothing like what law enforcement looked like uh, recently. It will be completely different. And uh, time will tell, I guess, whether that what that's going to look like. But um, it is uh, it's it's a pretty horrific time. So let me ask you this as far as, cause you know, you wrote, you wrote your, your leadership book, right. And talked mm -hmm. about the courageous leader. Now, what do you think of this, all of this means for leaders as a whole in law enforcement? Well, I didn't, I talked about in the book, that I didn't think that our leadership was prepared for Ferguson. We weren't prepared for the lies and the chaos and to combat that. Cause we, we sort of took as many of us took a stance. Unfortunately, we just said, okay, what can we do to make you happy? Right. Mm -hmm. Well then once you do that, then it's okay then you have to double down and you have to give more and you have to give more, you have to give more. Well, now we're at a point where, I mean, we've got Drew Brees apologizing for liking the American flag. I mean, that, that's the what? point we're in. You know, he's apologized like six times. I'm so sorry I defended the American flag, you know, and you've got, you've got someone like me that literally cited scientific data and I'm getting told to apologize. I'm like, what do I have to apologize for? You're attacking I, I cited a scientific journal, right? I mean, so mm -hmm. we're at the point now where, we are reacting based on the, the reaction, right? Like if mm -hmm. someone's offended, we're supposed to react to that and say, oh, we're so sorry we offended you. Well, you can't, you can't, a society cannot survive if that's, the, if that's, if that's our take. I mean, because everybody somewhere is always going to be offended about something. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so we're at the point where I think our leaders think that they can, they can actually leave without offending. And you can't leave without offending. If you're going to play in this arena, people are going to be offended. And you're going to have to just stand up and tell the truth and be honest about it. And I think you're better off by doing that. Now, hell will come your way as I'm living right now. But at the end of the day, I will be better off by standing by the truth and telling people why I did what I did and why I was truthful about it. The people that are lying, that story doesn't last. That right. story doesn't come out at the end. They may get a temporary feel good about that. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, the truth, I still believe matters. And that's the way I think in law enforcement, we've got to stand up for that. And, and so as an individual officer listening to this, can you give them some advice? Well, wow. navigate this. Well, they may not like my advice because uh, I was the biggest defender of this profession. Me too. Um, still, I know. And until recent weeks, I mean, I was, I would be like, listen, you need to come and if you got to serve, you got to serve your community. It's the best job on the planet. Yeah. I know there's some kind of crazy people out there. Um, but I'm, I'm almost to the point that pains me to say this autumn is I think the risk is too much for the reward. Mm -hmm. uh, when you could do everything right and you can get thrown in prison, right? mm -hmm. when you do everything right and your name and credibility can be destroyed when you can literally just do everything right. And, your life will never be the same again. It's not just for me, it's my family. You know, I, I have more pain in what my family's having to go through because their last name is my last name. All my kids had to change their Facebook names. Uh, you know, they all, you know, they're going to the rest of their life when they, they call in a food order, they're going to have to give a different last name in my area, especially. And so it affects your families. And I'm afraid the risk is too high unless this country turns back. And I just don't see if that's ever going to happen. And, um, and so I know that puts officers in a really bad spot, especially if you can't retire, especially if you've got 14, 15 years on. But I would say this, get off the streets, get in a position to where you're not having 
encounters with violent suspects because uh, we don't have time to go into it, but I'm going to tell you right now, at the end of the day, everything that causes this George Floyd incident, at the end of the day, they're going to find that to be an excited delirium case. Mm-hmm. All the evidence is starting to come out on that. And if you're going to prosecute me for a dude taking methamphetamine and fentanyl and having a heart attack, mm-hmm. uh, and we could talk about all the other things and the next stuff all day long, but I'm saying at the end of the day, there's, there's a couple dozen of those cases that happen every year and officers don't get prosecuted. And I understand this one's a little bit different, but if I have to risk going to prison for a dude that takes massive amounts of drugs and, and his heart blows up on him. Uh, now don't get me wrong. I mean, that's, that's, it's, this is a horrific case, but they're now going back and looking at all these excited delirium cases and looking at prosecute cops. And uh, there's probably not a community out there that hasn't had a couple of those in, in time. Uh, the risks are just tremendous, you know, and uh, I just can't in my right mind recommend anybody do, do the job. And that sounds terrible. Uh, mm-hmm. This has been a great gratifying uh, experience for me and a great blessing, but they're throwing people, they're throwing cops in jail for doing their job. Uh, and, and they're destroying people's lives for doing their job. And I don't think any profession uh, could survive if they did that. Like if, like if, if a doctor knew that if a patient died accidentally, he would lose his career and be, be ruined, no one would go be a doctor, right? That's why mm-hmm. they have medical malpractice insurance or anything else, right? They, they're protected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this job is totally different. You think it'll change? I want to think it would. I want to hope it would. But we're going to have to have a lot of good Americans stand up for it to change. Yeah. I think what you're going to end up happening in autumn is you're going to have pockets in this country that it's not like that. You're going to have pockets in this country where law enforcement is still law enforcement and the Law enforcement is treated right, but then you're going to have pockets in this country, and you mentioned what's going on in Seattle and other places where it's over with, like they're never going to get it back. So I think the country will be very much divided, unfortunately, in that way, where if you want to be in law enforcement, you better go to certain states or certain areas to do the job just to protect yourself. And even that doesn't, even that doesn't mean it won't change in 10 years or 15 years, right? right. Even, in, even in some communities that are traditionally more conservative support law enforcement, you're seeing that kind of flip in certain areas. I mean, who would have thought that Omaha and Nebraska would have riots, for goodness sakes? I mean, it's crazy. And mm. so... Uh, so you never can guarantee that. Hmm. Um, some of the mastermind members, uh, have a couple of questions for you. The first one, they want to know what your most gratifying moment in your career has been. Uh, I developed the Tulsa police athletic league about three years ago and, uh, got to uh, be around a lot of kids and help kids. And, and I think we all do it for that reason, but it was the first time that I really had an opportunity to put something like that together and be involved at that level. And that was very gratifying. So it probably was that is uh, putting together the, the PAL here locally, which by the way, they'll never let me touch again after this last week, but uh, that was pretty gratifying. At least you started it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you were the powers above you, okay. What would you do for somebody in your shoes? Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, no, I think uh, the only thing you can do is, is try to give the public a accurate sense of what happened. Right. So you tell the public, this is what happened. This is what the news media did. So this, we encourage you to look at the facts, right? Cause I think uh, everybody's going off this social media mindset where they read a headline and they lose their mind. And so you've got to give a, a sense of calm, so to speak to, to the mob or to the people that are upset. And so you got to give them a sense of calm to do that. You've got to slow everything down and you have to say, this is exactly what happened. And if you, and if you, if you see the transcript or you see what I said, nobody has an issue with it. It was actually the media that made it an issue is what they do. And, uh, but uh, that's what you have to do. Listen, as I said in my book, there is going to be controversy in this job. Leaders can't run from controversy. You have to face it head on. But if you just simply 
apologize, 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 and don't explain to people what's going on, it's going to almost feed that mayhem. And uh, so what I would say is, is I think our leaders have to stand up for that. Now, many of them don't because they're also, they're also scared of being treated the same way, and I understand that. But I think you've got to, when, when things get chaotic, you've got to bring a sense of peace to it and explain to people exactly what's going on. Now, if the officer was completely wrong, you agree with that, and you put the facts out. That's what's so concerning about Minneapolis is there's so much information they had that next day that they're not giving to the public. They're not giving the body camera footage. They're not telling people that, that that tactic was in their policy. They're not saying all this stuff to people, so all the, all the, the chaos reigned, right? All I right. think the more information you give, the better. Will your transcript be made public so that you can be cleared? Of that yeah, show? yeah, I mean, obviously the radio shows out there, that will all be transcribed. Um, there will be legal action taken. All that will be made public. But in a sense, uh, I'll never be cleared from public perception because people, the first thing they hear, that's it. But we will do everything we can to, uh, to fight that on the Internet and off the Internet by whether it's websites or, or when you do Google searches, you find that. Uh, that's all you can do. I mean, obviously, they'll be down the road when we start asking for retractions and deletions. Some will do it, some won't. Uh, but that battle is all to come, and uh, it's going to take time. What do you think needs to change in law enforcement? Not what the media says, but if you were making a, if you were making policy, what would you be changing? Uh, I would get my policy more towards Supreme Court language and what's practical. I think we get a lot of policies that are playing to uh, what people not in law enforcement want us to do, but that doesn't always uh, make sense when it comes to the application of that policy. So you get these things like, hey, you can never shoot in a moving car. Well, what if a car is trying to run up? What if a car is running over cops, right? What if a car is running over cities? That doesn't make sense. And we get this other policy. Well, you can never chase a stolen car. What if the stolen car is a police cruiser with rifles in it? So you can't chase that. I mean, so we get these policies that are implemented uh, based on theory and based on what people want us to do. And we're not putting any practicality into it. And if we would just get closer to what Supreme Court language is and what the law is, I think we'd be much better off. Mm, very good. Major, where can everyone find, tell us the websites, tell us where we can go to find you. Uh, you can go to, uh, uh, you can go to stopcoverage.com and you get all the information on my book there. And if you go to Amazon and get that, uh, please go leave a review because I've got obviously a bunch of people leaving really nasty stuff right now that hasn't read my book, but Amazon's been pretty good about that. They understand what's going on, uh, but you can kind of reach out to me there, but also obviously law officer where I write for, and I've got, obviously I got a staff, a team that kind of keeps that going and they do a really good job lawofficer.com. And, uh, and then right now, uh, defendtheheroes.com kind of tells this story, kind of spreads the word and tell other people about it. Excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And we, uh, I'm going to be putting, I'll be putting all of those links in the show notes. We're going to be trying to help you out. I'll be keeping live updates on all of my social media as far as what you're doing, how we can help when, you know, when you figure out, you know, um, the next step. Um, and so okay. we can well, I, I'll, I'll keep you updated. And this is a journey, not just for me, Autumn, but it's for every law enforcement officer out there. I mean, yeah, here, we've got, we've got to take this negative and turn it into a positive for our profession. Go on. I love what you're doing. And I love creating, you said, a lean law enforcement, say it again. Law Enforcement Advocacy Network. Yeah, I think, I think that's huge. And unfortunately, this is the thing with law enforcement, okay? Is, and you know it and I know it, is in order for any good to come out of law enforcement or any of us to change, right? Oh, it's always bad. It's always on the downhill. In order for us yep. to come uphill, it's always on the downhill in law enforcement. And I hate that. But, you know, you're doing a really good job, um, you know, and just try to, you're being strong and you're being a role model for all of us. So I appreciate that. 
Well, thank you, Autumn, for bringing me on, and thank you for all you do. It's been a, it's been a tremendous blessing to have you in my life, so thank well, you. Well, thank you. Sheepdog Nation, um, check out the show notes, and, um, and I will see you next time.